Shalom, Shalom to everyone. Thank you for joining as we talk about the current feast or the current set apart day of Yom Kippur. I'm actually recording this at 12.30 midnight. prayer and reading the word and in his in his presence and I thought there was no other better time than to record this teaching now and so I pray that you are blessed by what we are going to be sharing tonight um going to be explaining for those who are new what Yom Kippur is and I believe it's going to bless you I believe it's going to open your eyes on the importance of observing this this um, this set apart date and how important it is to the Lord amen so as you go joining, um, I am going to ask you if you can go ahead and share this message. Copy and share the link. And share it with all of your friends and your families. So that they too can see the importance of this, of this holy day, Yom Kippur. Amen. So let's go ahead and begin. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Evelyn and I have the privilege given by the Lord to lead a wonderful community in the area of Hialeah, Florida. Our church is in One Spirit Miami Church and our address is 5921 Northwest 176th Street, Hialeah, Florida. 33015 and we are in suite number six amen um, if you want to know a little bit more about us you can go on to our website www.inonespiritchurch.com and you can read a little bit about who we are and learn a little bit more about our community we are a small group of people, but we are very blessed um, to understand and to know that the Torah is still very valid in our lives. And although we will never get it right in observing it, that doesn't mean that we stop trying to do so. We understand that the commandments, the rulings, and the statutes that Yahweh, God himself, spoke in the Old Testament are still applicable for our lives. Um, we believe in Yeshua, which is Jesus. We know that he is the Son of God. We understand that they are one. They're not two separate people, along with the Holy Spirit, 
We understand that they are one. The Holy Spirit being the breath of God. Amen. We observe the biblical Shabbat, which we understand it scripturally to be on Saturday, not Sunday, or any other day that we decide it to be on. We observe the biblical feasts, um, which are all noted in Leviticus 23. Um, we understand and believe that eating, eating biblically clean is still very valid. That is not an Old Testament idea, but it's still very valid in our, in our faith walk. And like I mentioned earlier, we try our very best to walk like Yeshua walked. After all, he did say, follow me, and he is, he was Jewish. We don't consider ourselves to be Jewish, but we know, according to Romans 11, that we are grafted into the commonwealth of Israel, and so that makes us adoptive children. And if we partake in the blessings, then we understand that we also must partake in the statues and rulings and the commandments we we understand that we can't have one without the other and so that is just a little glimpse of what we believe but you can get more information on our website amen we also have as you know since you're on youtube right now all of our shabbat services and all of our topical teachings and all of our teachings on the biblical feast they are all recorded and uploaded to our youtube we go live on Shabbat morning at 11.30 with our service. And we also have our Torah portions on Thursday night at 8, 8, at 8 p.m. We go live with um, the weekly Torah portions. We share thoughts on the weekly Torah portion. And so I invite you to mark all of this in your calendar and get plugged in and share the message. Amen. If you are blessed by it. So having said that, um, we are going to be teaching tonight on Yom Kippur, which as you can see on your screen is also known as the Day of Atonement. And I'm going to explain a little bit what, um, a little bit about what that means. There's a lot of new people that are coming to the understanding of biblical feast and how important it is to add this to our faith walk. There is a lot of hunger to do so in the body of Messiah. Um, there has been many, many believers um, that have not been observing the biblical feast and there is a hunger and an awakening in the heart of many people and all the glory goes to the Lord for that because that is his doing. Amen. And so I want to start off with prayer before we begin and I would like everybody just to grab their pens and their Bibles and their notebooks, whatever they use to, whatever you use to, um, to take notes, amen, to take notes and, um, write everything down so that you can go back in your own time and go over the scriptures and go over the teaching, amen. We always say that it's important to test everything you hear test everything with the scriptures amen so having said that 
We come into his presence tonight and we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for this set-apart date of Yom Kippur. We thank you for this set-apart time, which we, we know it is holy. Holy. It's a holy day, Lord. Thank you because you washed us completely clean. And you took away all our sins. Thank you, God, because we we honestly cannot meet the standards of purity and righteousness as the way you established them. But we do recognize that Yeshua has met those standards. And through the Spirit, he leads us to walk in those standards to the best of our ability. We want to thank you tonight, God, because he exchanged his perfection for our imperfection. And that is a promise that you left us in scripture, Father God, and we accept and believe that promise. That if we confess our sins, Lord, you would forgive us and you would cleanse us from impurity. Thank you because Yom Kippur is a reminder of how important confession is of our sins and so we do this now father we take a moment to confess to you our sins our shortcomings our wrongdoings right there where you're at if there's something you need to tell the lord something that you need to confess something that you need to ask for forgiveness this is the time to do it. We're, we're in his presence. The word of God says that when there's two or more gathered in his name, he is present. So if there's something you need to repent about, and I believe we all have to repent about something. No one is walking on this earth and is perfect. This is the time to do it. Father, I thank you because the time is now, Lord. Thank you that we can experience a true day of atonement, Father. Thank you because we are in right standing before your eyes. And not because of what we've done, Lord, but because of what Yeshua has done on our behalf. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for this precious time. I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to share this teaching with your people. And I pray, Lord, that it not be my words, Father, but that it be your words. I'm simply a vessel, and I pray that you use me as you please, Father. Thank you for opening the eyes of your people, Father God. And thank you because more and more people are observing these days, knowing that if they're important to you, they have to be important to us. So, Father, we give you this time. And we pray that your perfect will be done. And that you touch the heart of your people, that you speak to them and you bless them, Father. And most importantly, Father, that you convict them, all of us, so that we can repent and we can teshuvah, which is turn from our sin, 
towards you and be in right standing before you. Father, we thank you. We love you. And it's in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. <clears throat> so I want to start off with Leviticus 23. If we can all go to Leviticus chapter 23, verse 26 through 32. It says, Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, However, the tenth day of this seventh month is Yom Kippur, a holy convocation to you. So you are to afflict yourselves. In other words, that means fasting. You are to bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. Verse 28. You are not to do any kind of work on that day, for it is Yom Kippur. To make atonement for you before Adonai, your God. For anyone who does not deny himself on that day must be cut off from his people. Anyone who does any kind of work on that day, that person, I will destroy from among his people. You shall not do any kind of work. It is a statue forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. It is to be a Shabbat of solemn rest for you. And you are to humble yourselves on the ninth day of the month in the evening. From evening until evening, you are to keep your Shabbat. So, we understand that Yom Kippur, according to scripture, is from sundown to sundown. That is how God accounts for one day. He always accounts it from sundown to sundown. So, Yom Kippur started at sundown today which is October 4th and goes to October 5th at sundown. Now, Yom Teruah, which is the feast that we just celebrated, or actually Yom Teruah is not known as a feast. It is known as a Moedim, a set-apart day. Yom Teruah is followed by 10 days of repentance, which is also known as 10 days of awe. Between Yom Teruah and Yom Kippur, those are the 10 days of repentance. And the 10 days culminates on Yom Kippur. Now, Yom Teruah focuses on the repentance of an individual, but Yom Kippur the focus of Yom Kippur goes a step further. This is the holy day that atones for our sins. So how I see it is on Yom Teruah, there is a blast, a warning. Then comes 10 days, which is a period of grace that God gives us to repent 
And then on Yom Kippur, he atones for our sins. That is how I see um, this timeline. And it has blessed me to see it like that because when you see it as that, as that timeline, there is so much meaning to it. And isn't that the pattern of our lives? God warns us about something, which is the blast. Then he gives us time to repent. He warns us about something, but then he gives us grace to repent. And then when we repent, he atones for our sins. He forgives us. So Yom Kippur, the focus is the atonement of sin. That's why Yom Kippur is also known as the Day of Atonement. Now, the word atonement means to make reparation, which is to repair something. So it's to make reparation for wrongdoing or make reparation for an injury. But reparation, in order for reparation to take place, forgiveness must happen first. It's like we can look upon forgiveness as like the topsoil in which reparation can take root and flourish. So in order to repair something, forgiveness must first happen. That's why it's very important that during Yom Kippur, you forgive those people who have hurt you, who have wronged you. Not only do you forgive, but you ask for forgiveness to those whom you have wronged because we've all done it. No one is exempt from wronging someone. And unforgiveness towards others or unforgiveness to ourselves and even God, it bears a bitter fruit of disconnection and separation. So whenever we harbor unforgiveness in our heart or we don't ask for forgiveness, there's a disconnection and a separation from the presence of God that sometimes we don't recognize. And separation, unfortunately, is the root of most of our pain. Because we go through pain in life and we go through so many things in life and sometimes the root of that is simply unforgiveness that we have in our heart. And forgiving and being forgiven is the only way we can truly be set free. That's why Yom Kippur is so important when it comes to that. Because Yom Kippur is really about atonement. It's about forgiving. It's about God removing our sins. But being forgiven and forgiving others is freedom. It gives us freedom to love. It gives us freedom to connect and enjoy our relationship with the Lord, not only with the Lord, but with others as well. Look at what Matthew, Matthew 6.14 says. We can turn over to Matthew 6.14. Look how important it is to God. Matthew 6.14. 
For if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your transgressions. So, it's very important for us to understand that in order to be forgiven, we must forgive. And I know it's not easy, but in order to be forgiven, we must forgive. And the beautiful thing about it is that we have the Spirit of God to help us forgive. Because if we harbor unforgiveness, unforgiveness is like, it's like a dead body. It doesn't, it doesn't get any easier, but it becomes more burdensome as time goes by. And so it's important that we understand that we must forgive. And Yom Kippur is the perfect time to be forgiven and to forgive. Look at what the Old Testament says about forgiveness. Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the body is in the blood. I had given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. So in the Old Testament, on Yom Kippur, the Hebrews, they achieved forgiveness and atonement in the form of animal sacrifice. It was an exchange of life for another life. This is the Day of Atonement. And it was the most single holiest day of the year when the Kohen Gadol, which is the high priest, would enter into the holies of holies and say the sacred name of God. Their focus and the focus of all Israel was on atoning for their sins on that day. Now, before this would happen, the high priest would fast for 25 hours, a whole day. And they would afflict their soul. We read that in Leviticus when we opened up. Now, afflicting your soul basically means to fast. It basically means to abstain from certain pleasures, such as food, water, even marital relations. So let's travel back a little bit to ancient Israel during Yom Kippur to get a little bit more depth and more understanding about how this all took place and how it relates to our lives today as believers. We're going to see Yeshua in this because Yeshua is all over the Old Testament. And it's beautiful when you begin to study 
you see everything points to him. Every single detail points to Yeshua. Amen? So, on the various day of the, on the various days of atonement sacrifices, there was the most central, the most central was of two he-goats. Two he-goats. They were to be equal in height. They were to be equal in weight. And they were to be equal in cost. So when they would have these two he-goats, which was the atonement sacrifice, the they would then begin to cast lots, which basically means they would gamble. They would cast lots to determine which of the he-goats would be sacrificed as a sin offering upon the altar to the Lord and which one would be designated as the scapegoat for Azazel. Now we've studied this before in Torah portions in the past. Then at that, at that point, the high priest would lay their hands upon this he goat that they chose as the sacrificial goat. And when they would lay their hands on this goat, it was like a gesture, a gesture that they were doing that symbolized the transfer of sins from the priest, which was the nation of Israel's representative. And they would transfer, it was a, a gesture of them transferring over the sins to this animal, to this, the he goat that was chosen as the sacrificed animal. And this animal would then bear all the burden of and all the sins of not only the high priest, but all the nation of Israel. So they would choose two goats and, and they had to be equal in everything. Then they would cast lots to see who, which one of those goats would be the one to carry the burden of Israel. And then when the that goat was chosen, the high priest would lay hands on the head. Um, how, how symbolic is this? Just think about Yeshua. The high priest would lay the hands on, their, on the head of that goat that they chose and would say a special prayer and would transfer, would be like symbolic, and he would, it would be a symbolism of him transferring over the sins of Israel and of himself over to that goat. And this would be the escape goat. This would be the goat that they would then let loose and the goat would escape. That's why it's called the scapegoat. He would escape with all the sins that was transferred over to that animal. Once that would happen, the priests would then fasten or tie a scarlet woolen cord to the horns of the goat. And then he would tie a second cord to the entrance of the Kodesh center or section of the temple, which is the holy section of the temple. Kadosh means holy. So he would tie one to 
he would tie a, a, a woolen cord, a scarlet woolen cord to the horns of the goat and then another one to the holy section of the temple. Then the priest would lay both hands on this goat again and then he would recite the, the sins and the, or the confessions of the sin. Now the word scapegoat basically means a person who is blamed for the wrongdoings, the mistakes, or the faults of other people. Think about Yeshua. So this scapegoat means a person who was blamed for the wrongdoings, mistakes, or faults of others. And accordingly, when the high priest would lay both hands on the scapegoat, he would transfer all these iniquities of all of Israel upon this creature. After all those who were present responded to the prayer, once the priest would say the prayer, after everyone that was present would respond to the prayer, an individual was chosen, preferably a priest, to take the goat to the precipice in the wilderness and let him go. Now, once this sacrifice was complete, Something amazing would happen. A, a, a miracle occurred. The red cord and the scarlet cord that was tied to the horns of the scapegoat and placed at the entrance of the holy place, this cord would supernaturally turn from red to white to symbolize that although Israel's sins were as crimson, God has washed them as white as snow. Let's read about that in Isaiah 118. Isaiah 118. Actually, let's start in 16. Isaiah 1.16. I don't know in, in, your, in your Bible what version you read, but I read from the TLV version. And this portion of scripture is titled, Scarlet Sins as Snow. It says, Wash and make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease. To do evil, meaning stop doing evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Relieve the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says Adonai. Though your sins be like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they, will, though they be red like crimson, they will become like wool. If you are willing and obey, you will eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of Adonai has spoken. So this cord 
that was tied to the horn of um, the the goat, and then the other the other cord that was tied to the entrance of the holy place. This cord would turn from red, crimson to white as snow once the scapegoat would take off into the wilderness or the high priest would take the scapegoat to the wilderness to leave with all the sins that were transferred over to that goat once the hands were laid on him. This was symbolizing that the sins were forgiven. When this occurred, it publicly gave a testimony, beloved, that Israel had been forgiven. Now, how beautiful is it to know that we can see Yeshua in this representation? He took the crown of thorns on his head, took upon himself all of our sins, and once he died and gave up his soul for any person that would accept him as the Messiah, their sins were forgiven. And their sins would go from crimson to snow. There was an atonement. There was a forgiveness. The representation of the scapegoat is Joshua. One of the things that the goat would do when he would leave in, or they would take him into the, the wilderness was that they would throw the goat off the cliff and the the body of that goat would be completely torn apart when it reached the bottom because they threw him over like a steep and edged cliff so from the top of the cliff all the way to the bottom of the cliff there were edges and and sharp corners and when the scapegoat would make it all the way down i feel the spirit of god right now when this scapegoat would make it all the way down to the bottom of the cliff his body was torn from all the sharp edges he had to endure on that journey from the top to the bottom his body was torn. This is a clear representation of Yeshua and how his body was torn. He took up our sins, took the crown of thorns on his head, bled, was torn, gave up his soul. And whoever recognized him as the Messiah, their sins were atoned for, and they went from being crimson to snow. 
What a beautiful representation. Now, what is true of the scapegoat is true of all the sacrifices offered on the Day of Atonement. And the truth is that they only provided a covering for Israel's sins, but they did not provide the removal of the sin. So all these sacrifices that they would do with the scapegoat was only a covering. It was not a removal. That's why Yeshua had to leave his glory, become a man, or better yet, God had to leave his glory, become a man in Yeshua, die so that there would be a removal. There's no more covering. Now it was a removal. And what is removed cannot come back. Now in Leviticus 17, 11, God states that life is in the blood. And without the shedding of blood, there will be no remission of sin. So that's when God sent the Messiah to pay the interest and the principal in full. So the scapegoat represented the sin of the nation. Yom Kippur points to the ultimate redemption of the world, the fullness of redemption. A redemption is paid for, not by the blood of an animal, beloved, which still leaves a deficit, but by Yeshua's blood, the debt is paid in full. This is Yom Kippur. The sacrifice of that goat had supernaturally turned the crimson cord white. But what's interesting is that this miracle stopped after the sacrifice of Yeshua. So every year on Yom Kippur, they would do this ritual and the crimson and the crimson cord would turn to white after the scapegoat was released into the wilderness and died. But after Yeshua was sacrificed, this miracle stopped happening. So this cord was not turning white anymore. And according to the Talmud, this miracle stopped for 40 years before the destruction of the temple. It stopped turning from red to white. 40 years before the destruction of the temple. This would be around the time of Yeshua's crucifixion and resurrection. The lack of color change is proof that Yom Kippur's sacrifices were no longer effective. So after Yeshua's death and resurrection, the cord stopped turning color on Yom Kippur for 
as a representation that those rituals, those animal rituals, they were no longer effective. That the he goats offered by the high priest cannot compare to Yeshua's ultimate offering. Look at what Romans 8, 31 through 32 says. Romans 8. Thirty-one through thirty-two. What then shall we say in view of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how should he not also with him freely give us all things? Also John fifteen thirteen. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. So God gave up his only son for the atonement of his people. Because we understand that sin entered the world. So we as, as, as men, we, we broke the world. Man broke the world. And it's so interesting because when I think about it, man broke the world. So in a sense, when man plucked the forbidden fruit from the tree, The eating of that fruit had like, like a domino effect that resulted in a disconnection from humanity, a disconnection from God. Humanity experienced a complete disconnection from God when man plucked the forbidden fruit from the tree. And this brings me back to Romans, Romans 8, 21, 22. It says the creation looks forward to the day when it would join God's children in glorious freedom from death to decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So we took something off the tree when we took something off the tree, there was a disconnection from humanity and God. So what did God have to do? God had to put something back on the tree. I feel the spirit of God. He had to put something back on the tree. And what did he put? His own body. His son. And he did this to make restitution, to repair, like we spoke about it at, at the beginning. To repair 
to bring life, to usher in a blessing. What was broken from the first Adam was repaired by the second Adam, as we know, is Joshua. But this time it was God's life for our life. Joshua was our kapara. And kapara in Hebrew is our substitute. We should have been the ones put back on the tree. But we weren't. God left his glory, became a man in Joshua, put himself on the tree, and atoned for the sins of the world. God put his blood on the altar instead of an animal's blood or our own blood. He did it as a final sacrifice. And God set forth Yeshua as an atonement through faith in his blood. At that point, that's when God mended our broken relationship with him. That's when he mended that separation. And then he called us to be also repairers, restorers, or fixers of the world. He called us to do the same. That's why I said in the beginning, Yom Kippur focuses on reparation. If we break relationship with others, we have a responsibility before God to mend it. Whatever the despair is, beloved, whatever the despair is in that relationship, we're called to repair and bring it to a level of complete transformation and renewal. But remember that before we bring it to reparation, we must forgive. In Matthew 18, 22, Joshua tells us to forgive those who have sinned against us. So, forgive. And we ask, well, how many times? It's not up to seven times. But 70 times seven. And he said this in the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 5.23. Joshua there instructs, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there... You remember that your brother or sister has something against you. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So in other words, forgiveness is so important to God that he's telling you, I don't want your offering. I don't want your tithe. Until you forgive. Don't bring it to the altar. Don't give it to me. Until you forgive. Whoever you have in your heart a grudge against look how important it is he says i don't want your offering first go and forgive and then you come and give me an offering so the bottom line is with god forgiveness is not unelected but it's a requirement. And during Yom Kippur is so important because Yom Kippur is a time of retrospection. 
uh, of, of retrospect. In other words, looking inside myself, a time to reflect on my wrongs, a time to repent, a time to cleanse my heart, a time to be in right standing with God. That's why fasting is so important during Yom Kippur. It's actually commanded that we are to fast an entire 25 hours. Because when you fast, you're giving up of yourself and allowing God to be the ruler. You're diminishing so that he can be greater. You're saying no to your flesh to say yes to your spirit. And I think a misconception that people have is, I'm going to fast so that God can give me what I want. I'm going to do a fast for a car. I'm going to do a fast for a house. I'm going to do a fast for a better business. I'm going to do a fast for a relationship. We don't fast to ask God for things. We fast to grow spiritually. That is what fasting is for. And so, Yom Kippur, the commandments of Yom Kippur, is to have a Shabbat, no work, to fast, and to pray, to ask for forgiveness, and to forgive. Those are the three things that Yom Kippur, that Scripture tells us to do during Yom Kippur. Pray, cleanse your heart, repent, fast, and rest. So forgiveness is not an elective, it's a requirement. And it's not to stress us, but it's to bless us. Because God wants us to be free rather than captive. God wants us to be transformed rather than imprisoned. And in the book of Hebrews, Yeshua offered us complete forgiveness and atonement through his broken body. And it says that he did it for the joy set before him. And what is that joy? relationship with us relationship with us is the joy that is set before him so he offered himself he offered complete forgiveness he offered complete atonement through his broken body for relationship with us again which is the joy that was set before him so what was bringing him joy what was driving him to atone for our sins through his death was right standing with us again. How beautiful is our God. So living from freedom allows us to experience this joy and we could only live in freedom when we forgive and ask for forgiveness. Remember Yeshua said in John 15 too, 
that he wanted his joy to be in us so that our joy may be complete. There is no joy in us if, there's, if we're harboring unforgiveness. We cannot experience, beloved, the fullness of his glory if we don't have the ability to forgive and to be forgiven. And when we genuinely experience forgiveness, both receiving it and giving it, we break free from the anchor that keeps us harbored in that stage of unforgiveness, in that stage of dark waters. In forgiving and being forgiven, there is true joy. And when there's true joy, we experience the blessing of atonement, which can then be rewritten as at one meant. Look at, at that word on your screen, atonement. If we rewrite that word or we separate letters, we will see that it says at one meant at one meant so we were meant to be at one with God and we could only do that through the atonement that's why it's so important to observe Yom Kippur. And most people would say, well, Yom Kippur is for the Jewish people. It's for every believer. It's for every believer. And many people ask, well, why should we celebrate Yom Kippur today when Messiah is the ultimate atonement for sin? People will ask you that. Well, by celebrating Yom Kippur, we remember and we give thanks that we have been inscribed not for one year, but eternally in the book of life through Messiah's death. Because when they would do the, the, the ritual of the scapegoat and the crimson cord turned white as snow, that meant that they would be forgiven for that year until next year that they would have to do their ritual again. So when we celebrate Yom Kippur as believers in Messiah, knowing that he is our atonement, what are we doing? We're remembering what he did on our behalf. And we give thanks that we have been inscribed not for one year, but for eternity in the book of life. And we've been inscribed eternally in the book of life through Messiah's death. Yeshua himself said, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's in Luke 10, 20. What we are to rejoice is that our names have been eternally inscribed 
in the book of life. That is the reason why we celebrate Yom Kippur. Because we don't have to go to an altar to sacrifice an animal, tie a cord to his horn, let him go and throw him down a cliff. We, we don't need to do that. Because Yeshua is our ultimate sacrifice. But by absorbing Yom Kippur, you remember him, you honor him, you reverence him as your final atonement and you thank him that you don't have to do these rituals because your name is written in the book of life for eternity. So by understanding and observing Yom Kippur, what are we doing? We are remembering and proclaiming Messiah to Israel and to the nations. We are declaring that he is the one through whom final atonement came. We are proclaiming and remembering that the forgiveness of sins and eternal life are made available to all through faith in him. On Yom Kippur, we stand in the gap also for Israel and the nations of the world that have not yet experienced that redemption that we're talking about. That have not yet experienced the blessings that come through Yeshua's death. We are becoming intercessors on Yom Kippur, just like Abraham who interceded for Sodoma and Gomorrah. Just like Daniel who identified with the, the corporate sin of Israel and he pleaded for forgiveness on their behalf. And the same like our high priest, Yeshua, who he lives, he lives to make constant intercession for you and I, beloved. So we too have the responsibility to follow those examples and intercede on behalf of Israel and the nations. For those people who have not yet seen Messiah as their final atonement. So Yom Kippur should be important to both Jew and Gentile or former Gentile. Because if you're in Yeshua, you're no longer a Gentile. You've been grafted into the commonwealth of Israel. So Yom Kippur should be important for all. Should be important. It's important for the, for the Jewish people, but it should be important for the believers in Messiah. And the reason why it should be important is because of its future prophetic fulfillment. On one level, the Messiah's death on the cross changed how we receive atonement. But there's also a promise in scripture concerning the Jewish people's redemption. Look at what Paul writes on Romans 11, 25, 29. Romans 11, 25, 29 says, for I do not want you brothers and sisters to be ignorant of the mystery lest you be wise in your own eyes that a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentile has come in. And in this way all of Israel will be saved and it is written the deliverer shall come out of Zion. He shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob and this is my covenant with them 
when I take away their sins. Concerning the good news, they are hostile for your sake. But concerning chosenness, they are loved on account of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So, atonement has been supplied. But it has not been fully applied to all of Israel. By the end of days, Israel will come under its greatest uh, persecution excuse me, in the darkest hour. But there is a promise and a hope according to the, pro the prophet Zechariah. Look at what he said in Zechariah 12.10. Then I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication when they will look toward me whom they pierce. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son and they will grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn. So, as a result of their repentance and their confession, the children of Israel and the land are cleansed and purified from their transgression and spiritual uncleanliness, just as is described in Zechariah. Look at what Zechariah 13, 1 through 2 says. In that day, a spring will be opened to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. It will happen in that day. It is a declaration of Adonai Zavaot, Lord of hosts, that I will erase the name of their idols from the land and they will no longer be remembered. So only when this occurs, beloved, will Yom Kippur find its ultimate prophetic fulfillment. So atonement has been supplied, but it has not fully been applied. Which is that on this day, atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. That's when the fulfillment of Yom Kippur will happen. It says Leviticus 16.30 On this day atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. From all your sins you will be clean before Adonai. So this prophetic fulfillment is a vital part of the final redemption that culminates in the establishment of the messianic kingdom. The kingdom is prophetically fulfilled in the Feast of Tabernacles, which is my favorite one of all, <laughs> and that we will be talking about on uh, Shabbat, actually this upcoming Shabbat. So we see the kingdom is prophetically fulfilled in the Feast of Tabernacles. So by celebrating Yom Kippur, even as Yeshua and his disciples did, we desire for Israel and all the nations to experience the full and final redemption 
So is it important for us? It is very important for us. It is extremely important for us to remember and observe Yom Kippur. It is extremely important, as scripture clearly says, to forgive and be forgiven. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other just as Yeshua has forgiven you. So during Yom Kippur, it is very important to forgive and understand that we are forgiven. It is also important to observe it as a Sabbath because it's the closing of the 10 days of repentance. It is important to understand that Yeshua is our ultimate sacrifice and our substitute. It is important to understand that it's a time of fasting. God commands us to fast. And fasting is an act of complete humility and self-denial. What it does is it, it, it takes the focus off of ourselves and puts our focus on God. So when, when we're fasting, we're choosing to deny ourselves in order to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. Now, there's an amazing mystery about how a high priest would approach the tabernacle on the day of Yom Kippur. Remember, we spoke about that. He would approach the tabernacle on this day to perform those rituals with the goat. Now, most people would think that this high priest would wear beautiful garments when he would go into the Holy of Holies to make atonement for the sins of Israel. Most people would think that, well, he's going into the holy place. He's going to wear the best of the best. But the high priest didn't. He didn't wear beautiful garments. He actually removed them. Now, I want you to think of Yeshua. I want you to think of God. So this high priest would remove his garments before going into the Holy of Holies. Now the question is, why did he remove them? He would strip himself of all these beautiful garments and only wore common linen. Common linen. And he did this to make himself seem like all the other priests. Now, in the natural, that doesn't make any sense. He was supposed to stand out. He was the, 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 the high priest that was doing the atonement. He was performing the ritual of the atonement for all of Israel. He was supposed to stand out. Think about it. He was supposed to be different. This was the man that was representing the nation of Israel. But the reason why he only wore common linen and he removed his garments is because there's it was it's a prophetic picture. 
There's a prophetic picture on why this occurred. God removed himself from his glory. He took off the clothing of glory. He took off his crown. He left his place and came to the world to look like you and I, common. Common. And after Yom Kippur was over, and all the sins were atoned for, when the scapegoat was released into the wilderness, and the cord turned from red to white, then at that point, when Yom Kippur was over, the priest would then go and put back his garments and he would finish the duties for the day. The same with our Messiah. The same with our Messiah. Look at what Hebrews 7, 25-27 says, and I'm going to finish with this. Hebrews 7, 25, 27. Therefore, he is also able to save completely those who draw near to him or those who draw near to God through him, always living to make intercession for them. For such a Kohen Gadol, which is a high priest, was fitting for us, holy, guiltless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need to offer up sacrifices day by day, like those other Kohanim Gadolim, first for their own sins, and then for the sins of the people. For when he offered up himself, he did this once for all. For the Torah appoints a Kohanim Gadolim men who have weaknesses. But the word of the oath which came after the Torah appoints a son made perfect forever. Hallelujah. So God removed his garments of glory, removed his crown of king, made himself a common man to look like the rest of us, came to the world, sacrificed his life, atoned for our sins, once and for all, became our scapegoat because he wanted to be one with humanity again. And so God in his script, in his word says, I want this to be a remembrance and a statue forever. I want you to remember that this is what happened. I want you to remember what Messiah did. I want you to remember what I did. And I want you to set this day apart 
Let's read it again, Leviticus 23, 26. Leviticus 23, 26 through 32. He said, all of this happened. And I'm setting a date for you to remember it. He says, Adonai spoke to Moses saying, on the 10th day of the seventh month is Yom Kippur. A holy convocation for you, so you are to afflict yourselves here to fast. You are to bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. You are not to do any kind of work on that day, which is have a Shabbat, a solemn day of rest. For it is Yom Kippur to make atonement for you before Adonai your God. For anyone who does not deny himself on that day must be cut off. Anyone who does any kind of work on that day, that person I will destroy from among his people. Look at what verse 31 says. You shall do no kind of work. It is a statue forever. Now you don't have to go to Bible college to understand what the word forever means. I think it's pretty obvious that when God says forever, he means forever. So he's telling us here, I want you to observe Yom Kippur forever. Scripture does not say, I want you to observe Yom Kippur until the New Testament is written, and then you could say that I don't need to observe it anymore because Yeshua is my my ultimate sacrifice. It doesn't say it says forever. Forever is forever. Forever doesn't have an ending date. It's infinite. And so Yom Kippur is important to observe, first of all, because it's a commandment by God. And second of all, because it has so much meaning for us as Yeshua being our atonement. So that I think that's where people fail to understand that it is important and it's still very valid. And it's the holiest day. It's a day of introspect it's a day to look into our hearts ask god for forgiveness forgive it's a day to deny ourselves and let the spirit lead it is a day to recognize yeshua as our final atonement and to give thanks that our name is written in the book of life it's important to god and if it's important to god it should be important to his children. So I pray this word blessed you. I pray that you understand the importance of Yom Kippur. I pray that you're able to observe Yom Kippur and you make plans for next year to maybe be off of work. I know a lot of times it's very difficult to take the day off or whatever when it's, you know, it's not planned. It's not always easy, but if you haven't done that, maybe next year you can plan to take this day off and really observe the Shabbat. And during your fast, understand that it's not only about not eating. It's about giving up your flesh to the Lord and letting the Spirit lead. 
It's about denying ourselves to please the Father. So I pray all of you have a very fruitful Yom Kippur. I pray that you're able to spend time in prayer and worship and in the presence of the Lord. Thank you all for joining. Thank you for um, lending your ears to this word. I prayed it bless you. I prayed it anchors you in the truth of the word. And I pray that you share it with others so that they too could be anchored in his word. Shalom to all and happy Yom Kippur.